Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Good morning, Rev 22. Everybody doing all right July 3rd, 2022. Um, my name is Brian Rome. I'm a partner here for almost two years, and um, I just want to take a minute to introduce myself because I'm a little bit newer, and then I'll get right into the word. But um, it is truly a pleasure for, for my, me and my family to be able to be with you at Rev22. Um, we uh, just got back from our youth trip last weekend up at CJ Strike, throwing kids off the inner tubes into the lake, which was pretty epic. And um, we had a great time doing that. And, uh, but uh, one of the things about Rev that I've, I've um, I don't know that I've voiced it to many or to my, maybe my wife and I've talked about it, but um, one of the things about Rev that jumped out to me when I first came was um, the heart to serve. Um, and and it, it, to me, it, it came from the elders and from the leaders and, and from those that I saw uh, leading. And so I just wanted to say thank you for that. Thank you for uh, demonstrating that service um, from God. And uh, as elders uh, leading the flock of God, we appreciate that. And uh, we thank you for that. Um, and then secondly, um, I want to thank the elders for the opportunity uh, to to bring the word of God, to share what God has given me with you today. Um, and I want to really give them a big thanks because there's only one service today. <laughs> Uh, we were talking and preparing, and they were like, uh, how did you get so lucky? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just the Lord's favor, I guess. <laughs> but I was so thankful. I was like, man, I have, I, I'm bivocational, if, if, you, if that makes sense to you. I, I, I run a business, and then um, I love to serve and help in the church. So it's been a few uh, minutes, if you will, uh, if since I have uh, prepared uh, a lesson like this. And so... Uh, Lots of labor. <laughs> it's laborious. So um, I want to commend those that prepare the word too. Like, thank you for what you do. Um, thank you for the time. Thank you for the the effort and the um, the mental. Um, it's the mental uh, work that that happens that takes place, and also in the heart as well, because you wrestle with things and and you're like, man, does that mean what I thought it meant? And, and then you just like, finally, you come to this place where you get to actually share what God's given you. And so, uh, but a big thanks to them, to the elders and to those that deliver the word to us. It's, it truly is a blessing for us to just come and receive. Wouldn't you agree? It's really nice for us to be able to do that after a long week. So, um, thank you for that. And, um, I'm going to jump into Psalms 1, um, Psalms chapter 1, and, and he read the scripture to you, and it was really appreciate the music and the worship. Um, and the pretty lady here is my wife, and thankful for her. And, um, and, but most importantly, I'm thankful for the word. Are you thankful for the word today? Um, Psalms 1, 1 through 6. Um, I'm going to give you a brief introduction of Psalms, and then we're going to jump into Psalms 1. So I'll take just a minute. I won't bore you. I'll try to make it snappy so we don't get too off into the weeds. But um, I, I was kind of preparing about Psalms and uh, 
later on in the month, you're going to hear more in some psalms as well from one of the other elders. But um, there's various types of, of psalms in the Word, and um, uh, there's psalms of lament, which we're, we're very familiar with. There's uh, psalms of thanksgiving, hymns of praise, and, and there's psalms of celebration, um, and even uh, uh, an imprecatory psalm. Anybody have ever heard of an imprecatory psalm? Okay, some of you. Okay, so an imprecatory psalm is is um, is a psalm where the writer basically is expressing anger about something to God. So, like for example, break the teeth in their mouth, O God. That's an imprecatory psalm. Have you ever felt like that before? Like break the teeth. Maybe when you're angry, <laughs> you should read an imprecatory psalm. Um, but um, I'm glad I didn't get that psalm today, but I did get another psalm, and, and we'll, I'll get into that in just a minute. But the, the, the psalms are mostly um, made of Hebrew poetry, and it's addressed to the mind through the heart using um, emotive language or emotional language. Uh, the psalms are musical, which you are, I'm sure, aware of by now in your life. Um, if you've spent any time around the church, you realize that we sing some psalms. Now, psalms 46 is sung a lot. I love that one. Their musical poems are intended to appeal to our emotions as well, to evoke feelings rather than just propositional thinking. Um, even in ancient Israel, the Psalms were considered, uh, they were used for functional purposes uh, in the Israelites' worship. They served to make uh, a connection between the worshiper and God. And they were collected into what we call these books um, and groups. They've grouped them into these five books. And in Psalms 1, obviously that's the first group, right? Which is basically Psalms chapter 1 through verse or through uh, chapter 41. So that makes up the first book. And you would see that like in my ESV, it says book 1 right at the beginning there. Um, the last part that I wanted to say about Psalms is that they're metaphorical. So, um, for example, uh, mountains leap like rams. Uh, Psalms 114.4. I wish I could leap like a ram. Um, uh, but... And then the second part of that, or what we're going to tackle today, is that the righteous are like trees planted uh, by the water, right? So that's also a metaphorical uh, connection there about the righteous being like trees. So we're going to see that in this uh, Psalms 1 today. Um, but the Psalms are, are words from God to people. Or many people, I think, including myself, we think that they're words from God to people. But psalms are also words spoken to God or about God. Um, the New Testament writers, even Jesus himself, knew the psalms well, and he often quoted them in Paul and in Colossians three. Uh, Paul, excuse me, in Colossians three sixteen says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord." Um, so. The Psalms were, um, were definitely taught, and even Jesus mentions them in his teachings and in his ministry as he moves and as he uh, goes throughout the, his time in ministry. Um, so in Psalms chapter 1, we're going to jump in right now, and I'm going to go through that with you and do my best to share with you what God gave me and what I'm learning from it. Um, I will be honest with you, for like two nights, I was... I was wrestling with some of this, 
And so I'm going to try to share that with you, and hopefully you can learn from that as long, like I did, and, and hopefully I can, we can just kind of share that with one another and, and grow in this. But um, Psalms 1 uh, in chapter 1 through 6, when I chose this Psalms, um, man, I, I thought it would be a little bit easier. <laughs> I thought it would be easier to go through, but it wasn't. It was, it was challenging. And so I'm going to do my best to share that with you right now. Um, Psalms 1, the way of the righteous and the wicked. Blessed is the man, is that first line. Blessed is the man. Um, blessed is um, used 26 times in the Psalms. And you can kind of get an idea of what it is what it means, and, and by looking at some of the other psalms, it, it talks about in Psalms 32, blessed is the man that is forgiven, right? Um, and so you kind of get an idea that um, that, that there's a, uh, a blessed man is one that not, is not necessarily uh, what we would think of in uh, Western culture, a blessed man with, you know, great wealth or great family or great business and uh, maybe nest, you know we wouldn't think of material. We would think of material things, but in the scriptures, it's it's not like that. Um, in fact, it's um, it, the blessed man is is the man that's humble. The blessed man is the man that has been forgiven much. The blessed man is the man uh, that is um, you know struggling to serve, struggling to live, struggling to love, struggling to do what is right. This is the blessed man. Um, I thought, I thought, man, the blessed man, doesn't that, isn't that seem like that should be, uh, that should be like some sort of holy meaning, like, you know, the blessed man. And, and there is connotations for it to be, you know, like a godly man. But the blessed man really in, in its pure form just means happy man. Or even some writers believe it's the lucky man. Um, and if we're going to get technical, that's really what they say it means. Um, and so it says in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, um, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, I don't know... What, let's, sorry, verse 3, let's continue there. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of any man that is like that, except for John Sicka. <laughs> Just kidding. But truthfully... Uh, when we look at that, you think, man, the blessed man, how the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the, of, of the wicked. Well, I probably haven't done that quite like I should, uh, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You see how it kind of progresses. It progresses from walks not in the council, meaning they just, uh, the, it's kind of like just talking around the wicked or talking with the wicked, maybe seeking some advice, maybe getting some words that from them. And then the second part, it says, it kind of progresses into a little more. It says, nor stands in the way of sinners, which kind of denotes uh, basically participating in sin. And then 
the third part there, it says, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And then basically you've just given over to it and you're, you know, cheering them on and mocking others. Um, but the contrast here, he starts with this negatives and then he goes into this positive and 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 so we we struggle with those negatives as as believers trying to live out a, a righteous life pleasing to the Lord. And then in verse two, and then in verse two, it says, "But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night." And I'm thinking, wait a minute, um, I, I'm not really good at that. We struggle with delighting in the law of the Lord. And what is delight in the law of the Lord? Does that mean like a perpetual surf, a church service where like, you know, where the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I think of that like, wait a minute, a perpetual surf. Should I want to be in a perpetual church service? <laughs> as much as I love Rev, I don't know that I want to be here all day, every day, right? I struggle with that. Like, what does it mean to delight in the law of the Lord. And I found a scripture that I felt really brought that home. And that is Psalms 90 and 14. And it says this. It says, turn there real quick. It says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us. To me, being delighted in God's word is being satisfied. It's being content with. It is hard for us in a society that we are never supposed to be content, right? We're constantly striving. We're constantly working. We're constantly pushing and pushing to be a success. Not necessarily bad things, but just pushing to grow, pushing to move forward, pushing to the next project. But God is saying that the righteous man is satisfied in the law of God. And he says on his law, he meditates day and night. In other words, he gets joy and rejoices out of the law of God or the word of God as he meditates on it. Um, the word uh, meditate is, um, is interesting. It, it, it means to murmur. Um, and also in, in, uh, Joshua chapter, uh, what was it? Joshua chapter, I don't remember that one. I'll just tell it to you. Uh, Joshua chapter one, basically he got, he's getting his charge and the, the charge is be strong and courageous and let the words, uh, the word of God or the law of God um, meditate on that. It's the same word used in Joshua, same word here. And in the ancient, if you think about ancient Israel, they, it's not like everybody had a Bible, right, in their home. So what they would do is they would murmur or basically mumble kind of the word of God as they went about their day because they would hear the word from their leader, right? And then they would go back from their uh, from their rabbi, and they would go back and they would murmur that word. So you would hear people murmuring the word of God. This was, this was you know, people basically meditating on the word of God. Meditation, some of us think of Eastern meditation or meditation where you empty your mind, but this is totally different. This is meditation where you are filling your mind and putting in the word of God. 
Um, but there's a struggle here with the way of the righteous. And the way of the righteous, I want to do the way of the righteous. I want to be in the way of the righteous. You want to be in the way of the righteous. But we often find ourselves not doing or not participating in the way of the righteous. In verse 3, he says, He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in its season, and its, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. You remember when Jesus stood up at Nazareth and he says, um, The Lord has appointed me or has anointed me to preach the gospel. Do you remember that? He reads that and he reads from Isaiah and he says, the Lord has appointed or anointed me to preach the gospel. And at the very end of that, he says, and so that you will be like oaks planted by the Lord for his glory. Same planting here. To me, the planting is God's work. As much as we wrestle with God, how do we work out the scriptures and how do we obey and how do we follow and how do we do this? The planting is up to God. It is his work. And then I love that ending. Everybody loves this part. In all that he does, he prospers. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Now that doesn't mean what we think it means in our American culture. It doesn't mean that he's going to you know, go away wealthy. It doesn't mean that, that he's going to uh, have amazing success in uh, cryptocurrency. No, that's not what it means. But it does mean that in all he does, he will prosper. In other words, he will be useful. In other words, he will be helpful. In other words, there will be fruit that comes out of him or her in their life. And then, verse 5, or excuse me, verse 4, I'm jumping ahead here. It says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And this is where it gets real. (laughs) This is where Psalms 1 gets real to me. Have you ever, have you gone out to the country, maybe Caldwell, my neck of the woods lately? (laughs) Have you seen the fields? Like they are just exploding with growth right now. And this is just a a strand or a a stem of grain that I, I stole from a farmer. Please forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) Told you I struggle with the way of righteous. Um, And, uh, but I thought, man, this would be a really good illustration. So I grabbed this because this, this demonstrates and shows you what the writer in Psalms is talking about right here. He says, the wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away, right? And so if you look on this really closely, some of you in the back in the cheap seats might be able to see it. I'll hold it up. Um, but there's, this, there's the kernel of grain that's kind of down in there, right? That's the good stuff. And then this stuff right here on the outside that's kind of the casing for the grain is the chaff, right? And in about a couple of months, you're going to see the harvesters harvesting. 
and they're going to be out there and they're going to be uh, bringing in the harvest. And what's going to happen is those, those big uh, combines are going to be cutting the stem. And then they're, I don't know how they do it in that machine, but somehow they separate the wheat from the chaff or the grain from the chaff. And in the scripture, it says that the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. So when the chaff falls to the ground after it's been harvested, after the good stuff has been taken out, the chaff then just lays there and then the wind blows away. One writer put it like this, that the chaff is rootless, the chaff is weightless, and the chaff is useless. Kind of profound, isn't it? It's not helpful. It's not righteous. And then in verse 5, it says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, they will have no case at that time of judgment. They will not be able to defend themselves. In fact, they won't even be able to stand at the judgment. And I had to pause. I had to pause here um, when I was going through this because I told Bryn and John, I was like, I don't, the way of the wicked, I don't know that I understand it. I don't know that I can grasp it. So let me do my best to try and explain what the way of the wicked might be. Proverbs 4 I'm going to read that to you because I felt like that kind of helped a little bit. Proverbs 4 talks about the way of the wicked, another wisdom book. And it says in verse 14, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it, and do not go into it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. And they do not know over what they stumble. They do not know what they stumble over. They, it, the way of the wicked is like walking in darkness. I... I, w- I thought of uh, when I lived in Rupert, Idaho, Napoleon Dynamite country. Um, long ago, my dad was a pastor there. And this is the weirdest, coolest thing. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just kind of weird, but it's cool. Um, he pastored this church. And in this church, it used to be a mortuary. So, But the church was converted, or it was converted from a mortuary to a church, right? But as kids, you know, we would go into the room where they used to embalm the people and just freak out, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, and so we would do, we, and as a pastor's kid, it was like, you're the last one out, right? You get to turn the lights out. And, um, and so I remember, you know, I would look across the room. Dad would be like, okay, go get those lights. So I'd be like, oh, great. And I would be like, Okay, if I just keep my eyes on that spot over there and I hit this light, and if I just go straight, nothing's going to get me and I know right where I'm going and I can get out of there safely. (laughs) 
But that's kind of like the way of the wicked. It's in this description of it, it's like stumbling in the darkness, trying to find the way, trying to get out. And if you have found yourself there today, you've found yourself in the dark, questioning and trying to find your way. The call for you today is Isaiah 55 and 6 and 7. And I'm going to share that with you because I think it's profound. But it says this, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that beautiful? The call to those that feel they've lost their way, or maybe you are on the way of the wicked. Maybe you have chosen the way of darkness. I want to encourage you that you can call on the name of the Lord. Let the wicked forsake his way. And then what does it say? It says, he will abundantly pardon you. It's not, it's not going to be just a little bit. He's not going to just hold some of it against you. Like you did that, so that's way out. You can't, that can't be forgiven. No, he's going to abundantly pardon you. Isaiah 55 and 7. When you think about the judgment and you think about the wicked will not stand in this judgment, there's a great parting, right? There's a great parsh or a departing or divide. Imagine losing someone. There's a divide there. There's a loss there. And another part of this passage that I don't, I, I don't enjoy embracing. I don't like thinking about that. I, I haven't lost somebody really close to me. Have you? Some of you I'm sure have. And when you think about that loss and you think about the person that that um, you no longer can spend time with. There's great uh, sorrow there, right? And there should be. But the, but the call to the wicked is that fall on him for mercy. Call on him for mercy. And he will abundantly pardon you. And then I love this part, verse 6, the last verse there. He says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As I struggled with the way of the righteous, and as I struggled with the way of the wicked, and as I found myself in both of these, I realized that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. In fact, in another psalm, he, he, it says he knows when you lie down. He knows when you rise up. He knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked, there it is again, will perish. The beauty of what we have as believers is the beautiful work of Jesus Christ. In the first three verses, I mentioned that Nobody has ever 
Nobody has ever been able to do that, but Jonathan Sicka, I was joking, right? But Jesus has done that. Jesus has performed perfectly. In fact, Jesus has provided us with righteousness, robes of righteousness. I love the the scripture reading this morning in the reference to the the wedding robes that we're going to put on, that he has provided those robes. He has provided the righteousness that we need so that we can enter into his gates, that we can enter the throne room. In Hebrews, and I'm going to close with this, in Hebrews, do we have that one up? Hebrews 10, there it is. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, After those days, declares the Lord, and I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Hebrews 10, 16, okay, and 17. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Hebrews 10, 17. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Hebrews 10, 18. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence uh, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through the flesh. Is that the last Hebrews 21? Do you have that? Okay. We can enter, another, another part in Hebrews says, we can enter boldly into the throne of grace because of the work of Jesus Christ. So as you pursue the path of righteousness as a believer, I encourage you, Continue to walk in the plan and in the path that God has for realizing that his righteousness is what we rely on to get us through. His righteousness is what we rely on to robe us and cover us so that when we do stand in judgment someday, it won't even be us. It'll be the work of Jesus Christ that has saved us, that has delivered us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together as believers. And we thank you for the privilege that you have given us to do this, to worship you. And I pray, God, that this word today glorifies you. And I pray that it encourages us that as we walk out this journey, that we are walking towards you and that we are walking towards delighting in the law, taking joy in the word of God. And I pray, God, that you would help us to stay on the path that you have called us. If we have veered, that you would show us mercy again, as we often need. And I pray, God, that you would be the king over our life that we rely on, that we trust in. And that we would be called blessed men someday, blessed women, not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done in us and through us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. 
We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.